Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, this is Rob and Jay from the Classic Gaming Podcast. We uh, play and talk about old school video games on our podcast. I know you probably couldn't have guessed that from the name of it, but uh, as for me, I tend to prefer the old, the good old point-and-click adventure game genre. I also like strategy games. I play a lot of a wide variety of stuff. Uh, uh, as for Jay? Yeah, I'm really partial to RPGs and RTSs, so things like Final Fantasy Tactics and Chrono Trigger to that of StarCraft or Age of Empires. Um, generally at the podcast, we try to stay on topic, but we usually end up going off on super, super far tangents. Give us a listen over at the HP Video Game Podcast Network. You can also find us at ClassicGamingPodcast.com, and uh, we hope you check us out. This show is part of the RetroZap.com Podcast Network. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 101 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is the man from Denver, Robert Workman. Man, we had so many guests on our show last week, we wore them all out. Nobody was available <laughs> this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think we need to kind of give ourselves like a little bit of a break there, too. I mean, like, just yeah. kind, of, kind of make it like nice and easy, and we'll be talking about the PlayStation 2 and everything. And, uh, yeah, like a, a, lot, a lot of different stuff like to talk about, but definitely this will be like our PlayStation 2 episode. Yeah, totally. But man, we've got a jam-packed episode today, David. Lots of news. Indeed, indeed. Lots of news for sure. So uh, I guess we, we may as well kind of start off actually like with uh, news regarding the Atari box. Uh, so this is like something that we've been following, you know, that we've been following for like a while now. Uh, and uh, so now it's actually going to make its official debut, uh, like at least in the public's eyes anyway, at GDC. So this is pretty exciting news. It is. I mean, they've got like a whole bunch of stuff going on. They're going to reveal Tempest 4000, probably give us a release date. Uh, they're going to show off Roller Coaster Tycoon and Atari flashbacks for Nintendo Switch. That's been confirmed. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be three collections or one or whatever. And then they're also going to show for the first time Atari Flashback 3, uh, their new collection that's going to include the classic Atari football game amongst other different titles. But yeah, the focus here is the Atari, obviously the Atari box. Uh, they're going to show off what the console is able to do, kind of give us an idea of what kind of game games will run maybe we'll get a price maybe we'll get a release date but yeah i mean all eyes are going to be on atari next week and and good for them you know they've, they've been hyping atari box like crazy and now we're finally going to get a look at what's under the hood david yeah for sure for sure so uh, i'm definitely excited to kind of see what, what's all about uh, I, like i know both you and i actually got, got to meet up with some of the people uh, you know at atari who's like kind of running atari now uh when we were going to go see tempest 4000 and um, now, like with the with the Atari box, uh, you know, obviously, like all the hype kind of around it for like you know from like the retro gaming community and like what what's going to come of this project. Um, I know so far that uh, that like Atari's kind of looking to get like some of their older properties like on there. So you you know you will probably have like Tempest Four Thousand, like other 
uh, other like you know games that are based on like their older franchises or like new games based on those, on those old franchises. Um, you know, would be really cool to see. So honestly, it makes me wish that we were going to GDC. <laughs> I case. might break away for a day. I'm actually okay. thinking about just getting like a red eye and just going in like Thursday morning, checking it out, and then leaving. <laughs> okay. Well, if... well, and seeing some friends and seeing some friends. I'm not that heartless. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you do get you know get a chance to go there, like you know, def- definitely make a uh, you know make a point to uh, to check out the the Atari box for sure. Um, I'm sure there'll be like a lot of cool things to kind of dig up from there. Uh, at least, at least what they're willing to kind of uh, to let loose, like about the console uh, with their yeah. first release and all. Well, that and Atari Flashback Three. I mean, I already know that the uh, the 1979 arcade football game is going to be there in that package. But I want to know what else they're going to throw in. Like, are they going to throw in the Atari 2600 version of Moon Patrol? Mm-hmm. Are they going to throw in like Frogger? You know, because we haven't seen Frogger in a compilation yet, even though it's on the Atari Flashback consoles. And also so, Konami too. Yeah, yeah you know, you never know. <laughs> exactly. You know, so there could be all sorts of titles that could be on that. So I'm going to be looking for details on Flashback Three as well as uh, Flashback on Switch because it, it, it seems like you know classics belong on the switch so you know it's, it's nice to see atari announce that <clears throat> unlike some people which we'll get to in a minute but it's just really cool that atari has given the switch a, a good chance in terms of variety of titles that i don't want to see how roller coaster tycoon does with the touchscreen controls too that sounds really intriguing yeah that would actually kind of make sense uh, like you know, any game that's like that like where it's kind of like point and clicky in, in that sense uh, would make sense for like a uh, for like a touchscreen uh, in that regard so um yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely curious to see what the future holds for atari especially in regards to, to the Atari box, but we will definitely find out very soon since GDC is next week, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, really, really cool stuff. But as you alluded to, though, uh, you know, the you know, like Atari is giving some love to um, uh, to you know to, to like the Switch, unlike Sega in this case. Um, yeah. But uh, there is like a really cool announcement though for Sega Genesis Collection, which is uh, which has been officially announced. It was officially announced, then unofficially, and then officially again. Yeah, I know, um, right? For the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Yeah, it's coming out. Uh, I believe May 29th is the release date. It's going to have 50 different games, including stuff like Alien, Soldier, Gunstar Heroes, Toe Jam and Earl, Panic on Funkatron, all the Streets Rage games. But oddly enough, I mean, like I mentioned there, there's nothing for Nintendo Switch, and there also be, appear to be a couple of games missing. We didn't get Sonic 3, and we also didn't get Sonic and Knuckles. Those are both conspicuously missing from the collection, but... Um, we're getting a variety of games, you know, and then we'll also have a, a bunch of different features. There'll be a mirror mode where you can play it the opposite way if you're left-handed or something, I guess. Uh, there'll be a rewind in case you screw up and don't want to look like you screwed up, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But it's going to have a ton of different features. It'll probably retail for around, I don't know, 20 30 bucks. That's what the um, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis collection kind of went for when it came out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, look- I'm looking forward to getting more details. I think Sega's hosting a panel at SXSW, South by Southwest. Um, they're going to be talking about Sonic, and they're probably going to reveal more details there about Sega Genesis Collection as well. So we'll keep tabs on that. But you know, this this collection was great um, on Xbox 360, PS3. But we got more games now. Not all the games we want. I really don't want Sonic Spinball. Yeah, some... <laughs> that was I, just. I know. Yeah, like it's uh, it, it's it's a little weird, like that they you know had you know have some games in there, and not others, as you mentioned there with like Sonic 3 and Knuckles and all that, but. Um, it's uh, it, it, you know, it is it is really interesting. Like with the uh, with the games that they have on there, like obviously like having like the Streets of Rage games, on, you know, on there is great. Golden Axe, uh, Altered Beast, uh, Toe Jam and Earl as well. Uh, it's really cool. Gunstar Heroes is definitely a big one yeah. for sure. Mm. Um, totally. So yeah, like a, a lot of like really cool games there, and so it's over fifty games too. So uh, like I feel like anywhere between like twenty to thirty would be a good price point 
for this. Uh, obviously, like twenty would be like the better price point. I feel like for games like this, um, mm-hmm. but I think thirty would be probably like the max that they can kind of like stretch it out to. Yeah, but, uh-huh. yeah it, it's it's a cool looking collection. I you know I, I hope to kind of see more collections like this from from other companies. Honestly, yeah, you know, and I'd love to see more of this stuff from Sega. You know, um, we've been hearing for the longest time they could be doing a collection that includes remastered versions of Vanquish and Bayonetta. Uh, which would be really cool. I think they're just pacing it out because, you know, Bayonetta Twin Pack came out for Nintendo Switch. But I would love to see that announced at some point because Vanquish is my jam. They re-released it as part of the Xbox One Backward Compatibility Program, and it plays like a dream. I love it. So, you know, please Vanquish. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but those aren't the only classics we're getting there, David. Uh, Nintendo Switch is getting a few, including one that'll have you feeling bad. That's right. That's right. So this th- th- this is actually like you know um, like one of your favorite games of all time. I know. Like you absolutely love 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 Bad Dudes. I do. And so the arcade version of Bad Dudes Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja is confirmed to come out for Nintendo Switch, and it's coming out next week. Yeah, it's coming out next week uh, on the twenty first, I believe it is, and it'll be nine ninety nine. It's also going to get a release on Xbox One, PS four, and PC later this year. Uh, but Switch is getting the uh, version first. I believe it'll have two player local co op. Um, not sure of any other features. They didn't announce them officially yet, but it is on the eShop page. I don't know if you could pre purchase it, but if I could, I would. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, this game, uh, think about it. Like, you know, Bad Dudes has really gotten its exposure on Nintendo platforms. You know, the original NES version came out a long time ago. And then you had the uh, Data East Arcades Classics that came out for Nintendo Wii. You know, and look at the money it's fetching now because people need Bad Dudes, you know, so there you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Bad Dudes is coming next week and I'm excited. I'm so excited that I'm going to, you know, go get a burger. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it, it is really cool though that they are having uh, having this be like the the arcade version of the game as opposed to like the NES mm. version. Like, that's, yeah, that's, like the one that was in that my car, my arcade game I played a while back. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So and it's not like there's anything wrong with the NES version, obviously, but right. uh, like the, the arcade version is obviously the ideal way to play a game like this. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's cool to just kind of see that, and I do hope to see more arcade games like this. Like we are we are actually seeing more of these types of games actually now that I think about it because uh, I did pick pick up the arcade version of Kid Nikki Radical Ninja when that mm-hmm. became available on on Nintendo Switch. Do, um, do you know how hard that is? It's <laughs> pretty difficult because <laughs> when you die, you go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I I still have a DNES version, uh, you know, on my SNES Classic actually. So at least I can always go back to that if I you know if I feel if I want to be like a little kinder. To myself in that regard, um, but it is pretty cool though. And uh, you know, th- this is actually coming from uh, Flying Tiger Entertainment. So uh, they they came out with uh, Johnny Turbo as well as Gate of Doom. Is that right? Well, Johnny Turbo is the label that they're releasing it under. Gotcha. Uh, Johnny okay. Turbo's arcade lineup, basically. And Gate of Doom came out first, and that was a really good port. So I have high hopes that Bad Dudes will be, you know, great. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Bad Dudes because there was some guy I forgot who it was. He sent me an autographed picture of the cover art. Hmm, I wonder yeah. who that guy was. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Be a yeah, big, uh, it's a big mystery to this day. Could, <laughs> could it have been David Gilton? Hmm. <laughs> That's not all either, because apparently a couple more arcade classics are coming, including a favorite of mine and a favorite of yours. Yes, well, not necessarily a favorite of mine, but certainly one that I know more than you, and, and, and one, yeah. one, one okay. that you know more than me in that case. Yeah, um, yeah. So yes. I guess that's the way I should have worded it. Now I feel yeah. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, like, is um, you know, with uh, with Hamster en- Entertainment, like Hamster has been coming out with like a whole bunch of like uh, of like retro games for uh, for PS4, Xbox One, and for the Switch. Uh, and so, like now for the Switch, they're coming out with World Heroes Two Jets, which is like a fighting game like based in the World Heroes World Heroes fighting game uh, series, basically, as well as Boom Patrol, which uh, which was on uh, on the Atari. Is that right? 
Yeah, well, no, it was released in arcades first before it came to Atari. Uh, okay. It was released by Williams way back in the 80s. One of my favorite arcade games of all time. I, I know you're not that familiar with it, but basically you just coast around on the moon, you jump over gaps, you shoot rocks, and then you shoot enemies in the air. And with each new stage, you know, all new challenges come along, like mines and stuff like that. Uh, I, I really, like, conquered this game back in the day, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see it uh, come back to uh, Nintendo Switch. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, World Heroes 2 Jet, by the way, not Jets. Benny and the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a fun Jets. fighting game. But see, like when it came to Neo Geo, there was like one series I was transfixed on, and that's Samurai Showdown. Hmm. So you know, I didn't really play. I mean, I played a little bit of King of Fighters, but I didn't get to the art of fighting. I didn't get to World Heroes. I know a lot of people did the Fatal Fury stuff. So I mean, obviously, World Heroes Two Jet will uh, really appeal to them. Uh, it's supposed to be an exact arcade port, no online play, but at least you can do local, which is going to be good. Games like that really thrive on local play. So yeah, I mean, between Bad Dudes, World Heroes Two Jet, and Moon Patrol, uh, we've got classic gaming covered on the Nintendo Switch down pat. Exactly, yeah, and like I, I've been saying this before, like on uh, on like previous episodes, but the Nintendo Switch has really kind of become like the de facto stop for like uh, for like retro games, pretty much. Like all, all the all the retro games are coming out. It feels like week after week, almost like with all the uh, all the releases coming out, and it's it's just really cool to see that. So um, yeah, and the, you know, especially with the fact that like with the Switch, you can bring it on the go with you and all that. So it's uh, it's it's really cool to see these games, and I, I certainly wouldn't expect World Heroes Two Jet, but I guess like since Hamster has been coming out with like the Fatal Fury games and the King of Fighters games, and I believe that they've they've also been coming out with like Samurai Showdown and everything. They may as well go to what, what I guess would be considered the like C or D list tier of like fighting games that have been on like the Neo Geo platform. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, so so really cool to see as well as like with Moon, with Moon Patrol as well. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, but that's not all for the news because uh, there is something that I had to buy as soon as I saw it, which was uh, <laughs> basically a phone case that you can get for your iPhone. I believe there's like an Android like version of it as well, but this is like an iPhone case where it doubles up as a Game Boy, essentially. <laughs> um, so it actually has like built in, uh, I believe it's like 10 games on there. One of them being Tetris was kind of the big selling point for me, uh, mm-hmm. which is basically like, you know, the phone case hosts the back of your phone. So whenever you're not fiddling around with your phone, going through your emails or whatever, you can just turn it right around, just play some old school Tetris. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty neat idea. I mean, to be honest, I already got enough handheld gaming as it is, but just, just the fact you're able to snap this on and play like Game Boy Classics without having to worry about like adjust your screen or anything like that, that that's pretty cool. Now, you, you said you already bought one. How much was it? Uh, it was, let's see, it was like a twenty four ninety five. I want to say. Um, but I believe like, by, like by, by the time that people like, w- w- will listen to this, like the, uh, the price will have gone up. Like I think like the normal price is like 70 something or whatever, um, w- which would be worth it too. Just like with the piece of tech that this is and all, you know, just kind of the, the convenience of it and all. Uh, but like for like 20, like I think it was like 24 95 is what I pay for. Uh, it, you know, it's absolutely worth it. So you have, games, oh, yeah. you have, you, know, you have games like Tetris, as we mentioned, as well as formula one racing snake and block. And tank as well. So, oh, but no, but no, Revenge of the Gator. I'm out. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't believe so. But uh, it, it, it'd be cool if you, if you kind of like you know look, uh, you know mess around with this and everything. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I have the price right here actually. So the the price that I paid, which was good until um, until March 12th, uh, mm-hmm. that it, that the, uh, that price is 24.95 as I've said. But the normal price is 79.95. So. As I said, like I, I think it's still worth it for that price, but some people might like reconsider, like knowing like what the original price was, at least yeah. like the price before the date and everything. So, mm-hmm. 
Well, no, I mean, for twenty four ninety five, that's a hell of a deal. You know, you're, you're basically saving more than 50% off for, for such a great peripheral. You're going to have to, you're going to have to let me know like the long-term impressions on it because I might get one one of these days. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's like, I think, it'll, I think it'll definitely be a good, a good worthy purchase for sure. So I'll, I'll definitely uh, give like my two cents on it. Like once it comes in, <laughs> <Everything so. laughs> um, but yeah, like aside from that too, uh, there was also like some really weird news again, like it, this is kind of like another story actually of like new meets old actually, uh, where <laughs> Someone actually hacked their Nintendo Switch to work with an old Sony Watchman. So, like, if you remember, like, the old the Sony Watchman, uh, I believe it was kind of like the old, like, TV tuners, basically. Yeah, it was an old school 1986 <laughs> to watch television. It had, like, maybe, what, about a two, three-inch screen, and yeah. it was black and white and was really crappy in quality. But back in the 80s, you know, we didn't have fancy phones that we could whip out to watch Netflix. We didn't even have Netflix. Um, so, you know, we, we had very few options from watching TV. So this was actually a neat little peripheral that let you watch TV on the go as long as you got access to a signal. Uh, this guy basically went um, tied with rubber bands. He attached the switch uh, Joy Cons next to the Watchman, and he was able to get a signal going between like an HDMI converter to the switch and an old VCR of all things. Like in case you don't know what a VCR is, it plays cassette tapes. And in case you don't know what cassette tapes are, uh, go research them on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> I can't help you there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, this is a, a gaming show, not a VCR show. Uh, but no, I mean, he he set up this whole elaborate thing, and he played like a couple different games on it. He played Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, which looks like shit on the walk, watch, but still, it was a neat idea. And then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and then Metal Slug, or one of the Metal Slug games, and it was kind of neat. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a big wasted time. We're not all going to run out and buy watch. If anything, I'd like to hook it up to a Turbo Express. Ooh. Let's see how that looks. Yeah, that's probably way better than a Watchman, but uh, maybe this guy. I'll try it again. Um, my my mate Vince, I think it was. Yeah, my mate Vince my is mate the Vince, dude. Yeah. Upload the video. We'll have the link to the video in our podcast there. But this is really an interesting watch, and it, it just kind of makes you wonder, like, to what extent people will really take their new gaming to retro stand. Like, I don't even think I you could see Moon Patrol on that screen. No, it's like it's tiny. It's <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's very small. Like, as you mentioned, like it's, it's probably about like two to three inches wide or something. But yeah, uh, it is uh it, it is like a really really neat uh experiment for sure and like certainly one that was very successful in this case um although it's definitely not the most ideal way of playing on the on the nintendo switch it is very impressive to kind of see how it runs because it, you know it literally as you said like it's just picking up on the signal uh after just kind of like just tinkering around with like a, with like converters and everything uh to have the um the have like base of the watchman pick up on the nintendo switch's signal through through the, like the converters and all that so it's it's just really really amazing to see especially like when, when you're seeing like um seeing breath of the wild running on a two to three inch screen in black and white but still it still looks smooth at least like from like you know judging by like the camera on camera action that uh you know from the youtube video so uh yeah so it's really neat and i'm just kind of curious to see see what else uh, could could come from people you know mixing old you know old stuff with new stuff in this case like i said please try a turbo express or maybe a gx tv you know let's see how a nintendo switch fares on a gx tv who knows it could be awesome um my mate vince you're on deck yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's the news right there. So we're going to get into the part of the show called What Are You Playing? We get some of the games we've all been playing or have recently beat. So, Robert, what have you been playing? Um, well, it's coming out uh, by the time this podcast is uh, aired, it'll be out. Uh, Burnout Paradise Remastered. Mm. Uh, as you know, this was announced uh, a little while back, and it's coming out this Friday for $40. Some people might balk at the price because they're like, well, why is it $20 or anything like that? But, I mean, I played through it. Um, one thing you might want to know is that, like, you know, it doesn't 
amazingly look like 4K standard. You know, there, there's some muddled graphics issues and everything like that, but the gameplay is perfect. Like, I, I got into it, and I'm, I'm clearing through billboards, and I'm doing high jumps and everything like that, winning first-place races with that uh, look-alike DeLorean vehicle from Back to the Future. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I'm conquering races left and right. I'm enjoying the multiplayer. I mean, that part of the game they got right. I do wish they spent a little more time in the graphics, and uh, that does kind of put the $40 question, worth into question, but I think it's a fun game. I think it's a, a good time after after all these years, I mean, it's been 10 years, David. And yeah, it still remains one of the best open world racing games out there with challenges at every corner. And, you know, I'm actually hearing Criterion Games' next project will be heavily inspired by this, which has me thinking we might see another Burnout someday, mm. which I would love to see. I mean, I'd love to see more like Burnout 3 Takedown myself, but I'll take another Paradise. Hell yeah. You know, I'm good, I'm good with that. So I've been playing uh, Burnout Paradise Remastered. Uh, I've been getting back into a little bit of Super Smash Brothers Melee now that we have the official announcement that it's coming to Switch. Uh, I've been playing a little bit more of that, and it's fun. I keep getting my ass kicked on the highest difficulty, but that's how it works. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just got Assassin's Creed Rogue Remastered. I can't too talk too much about it yet, but let's just say if you like the original game, you're probably going to love this. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I'm just going back and forth in a few different games and everything. Uh, what have you been playing, David? Uh, so I've been kind of getting more of my retro gaming on, actually, lately. So... I actually started playing, and this is kind of the first time I'm doing a full playthrough of this game, by the way, of Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. Nice. Um, so I'm going through Link's Awakening DX specifically, uh, just playing it on my 3DS. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, I, I, I played Link's Awakening, like, like a fair amount of it, like on like, my friend's Game Boy, because I never owned like, an OG Game Boy myself. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. I love the, um, I love, like, when you get the feather and you have, like, the, the ability to kind of jump around and uh, oh, yeah. know, have jumping over pits. And especially, like, when you get that mixed with the, uh, the running boots and you're, you're able to kind of do, like, running jumps and basically jump, like, three tiles or whatever. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've, I'm, I'm already uh, five. I've already gotten, like, five of the eight instruments uh, for it. So I've been kind of just kind of blowing through it. And, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure if it's better than A Link to the Past. That's going to be, like, a loft goal but i've been hearing more and more people say that like oh yeah no it beats it beats a link to the past and so i was like okay i have to like that that's when i decide for myself I was like you know what i have to give this game like it's fair shake and actually do a full playthrough of it just kind of like know for myself if it does beat it but so far like you know i like it a lot but uh you know we'll, we'll see how where it stands compared to link to the past for me um and aside from that too uh you know as i mentioned i you know i've been hacking my snes classic and adding like more games to it uh one of them being the nes game or the famicom game i should say boku dracula kun it's uh i'm kid dracula basically so this is uh this is actually like a spin-off of the castlevania series where you're playing as uh you know basically kid dracula more or less so you're like dracula's son you have like white hair you're kind of like a stocky body it's actually it's actually funny because like the game uh the game is a spin-off of the castlevania series but it plays a lot like mega man um, except like if Mega Man could like you know shoot upwards and is a vampire, <laughs> basically. Mm. So, so uh, maybe it's got more intense with like uh, ghouls and ghosts, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but like it, it's kind of funny though because like th this is a game that never came out to the states. Like there there was uh, there was the game Kid Dracula that came out for for Game Boy, but that was kind of like a yeah. remake of some sort. But mm -hmm. but uh, but Boku Dracula Kun, um, like uh, like as you play through it, you can see more and more why that game was never released to the states, namely because the first boss. 
uh, you're up against a uh, like a Nazi ghost, or could be a Nazi Ku Klux Klan member. <laughs> in some okay. Ways. Um, and also, like one of the mini games that you could play uh, was like one where um, it was called Can Can. So, like as you can imagine, uh, just by that name. Uh, it's like a mini game, like where you, where you see like can can dancers. Uh, but the whole idea of the game is to guess what color their panties are. So it's very wow. It's, I'm missing a party. <laughs> it's very Japanese in that sense, but it's uh it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. Definitely very charming as well. Very charming looking graphics. I love the uh, the music in it as well. Uh, so if you ever get a chance, like to you know to to go check it out, uh, you know to definitely take a look at Boku Dracula Kun, uh, or or I'm Kid Dracula is what it translates to. So, uh, so yeah, with that, I do have a game code here to give away. Uh, this is for Oceanhorn Monster of Uncharted Seas on Vita, and I'm not sure if this is cross-play with PS4, but if you do put in this code, you can certainly see if it is. So it's a little uncertain, like with these Vita codes, whether or not they're they're cross-play. But uh, Oceanhorn combines captivating storytelling, breathtaking 3D visuals, and exciting gameplay into one massive action adventure experience you will never forget. Explore the islands of Uncharted Seas, a world filled with many dangers, puzzles, and secrets. Fight monsters, learn to use magic, and discover ancient treasures which will help you on your quest. Use all your wits and skill to unravel the mysteries of ancient kingdom Arcadia and sea monster Oceanhorn. So, uh, you know, if that sounds like your jam, then definitely jump on this. Again, this is for Vita, possibly PS4, but we'll see. Uh, the code here is 98382GNGNTN4. Again, that's Oceanhorn Monster of Uncharted Seas on Vita. Enjoy. So with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So to start us off, and um, I figured I'd kind of throw this game in there mainly because of the announcement of, uh, was it Mario Tennis Aces for, uh, for Switch that's going to be coming out? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Tennis. Uh, so this is a 1985 sports game by Nintendo. It was one of the 18 launch games for the NES in North America and Europe. Mario acts as the referee. And the game is playable in 2001's Animal Crossing and 2004's WarioWare Twisted. So some uh, some neat little uh, ways of playing it there if you if you if you don't have the original cartridge anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Robert, have you played much much tennis here? I have. Now, of course, I've been spoiled by more modern affairs like the Virtua Tennis series. But ba- back when this came out for the NES, this was the the main tennis game in town. You know, there were other tennis games. But I got into this one the most because I think the gameplay kind of reflected best on me. It was a lot simpler to play than some of the other games. And it was really a lot of fun. You could like adjust between, I believe, five difficulty levels and you could just play with either uh, – with a friend in singles and doubles matches, you could play against them. Uh, and it was just, it was one of those great little early party games for the system. You know, like when we could bring over a friend and everything, I'm going to kick your ass with this tennis racket or whatever, you know, that's <laughs> that sort of taunt. But yeah, it was like one of those uh, unbridled old school classics. It was really great for the time, but it, it's kind of weird. It didn't really get any re-releases on its new systems. It did get featured on the Play Choice 10, and there was also a Game Boy release that followed, uh, I believe, five years later, four years later, something like that. But yeah, I mean, this was a fun little classic, and uh, you know, I just kind of wish Nintendo would give it some love again. Give it a Nintendo Switch release uh, when their uh, online service goes live later this year. You know, you'd be surprised how many people get hooked on it. Yeah, for sure. And like, I, I, honestly, I could see this coming to Switch in a sense because I, I know that the Nintendo is looking to add in like those uh, those versus style arcade games like to to, mm-hmm. uh, to the Switch. Um, like, I know that um, you know they came out with Mario Brothers versus so far, uh, but I know like down the line they're they're going to come out with the uh, the arcade version of Punch Out. And um, I'm not sure if tennis was like revealed to be one of the, one of the titles, but I imagine that that will be like in there like, oh, down yeah. the line for sure. It'll be cycled in at some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, 
tennis is a lot of fun though and um you know it's, it's certainly harder to kind of get back into it as, as you mentioned there with like better tennis games like you know, yeah l- l- like with virtual tennis and all but uh tennis yeah with, with like the original tennis is, is really cool especially to kind of see mario there like on the sidelines as, uh, as the referee and all uh it's pretty neat like that's kind of like back when like nintendo had to add mario to like everything because they, they figured that like nothing would sell unless it had mario in there so yeah well <laughs> I guess it's their theory. He didn't need to be in everything. Like he didn't pop up in Tetris, thank God. But you know. right, yeah. <laughs> Although they did have, um, what was it? Did they have like some like Nintendo, like I don't know, pixel art or whatever? Like at the end of certain certain levels, or I might be thinking of Breakout actually in this case. Or Either that or. or or yeah, alleyway is probably the one you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so that's tennis right there. So we'll, we'll jump into we'll jump ahead in the future here in 2004 for Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. So mm-hmm. this is a 2004 action adventure game by Rockstar North. It is the best selling PlayStation 2 game with over 17 million copies sold on that platform alone. When there was over 27 million uh, sold across all platforms. Uh, it is the first game in the franchise to allow climbing over walls and swimming in water. Uh, and the infamous Hot Coffee mod unlocked a hidden sex scene that garnered attention and prompted Rockstar to remove it entirely in an updated version of the game to prevent an AO rating from the ESRB. So um, anyone who is anyone uh, would, would remember the Hot Coffee mod because that was all over the news when that broke Oh, out. man. Yeah, and you couldn't even access it unless you hacked it. I mean, everybody was making a big-ass deal. Of that. I'm like, you couldn't get into it unless, like I said, you hacked it. And it, what, like everybody's a hacker now? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't even so much of the fact that like you know that people were hacking to get it it was the fact that the code of the mini game was still in there that, that was made yeah. by rockstar so they were able to kind of bring that up and so that it was playable in that sense uh but the fact that the code was in there that was the big issue and like so th- that's where like rockstar had to kind of come and be like okay we're gonna have like the you know have like an updated version of the game just eliminate that code entirely and if you try to access it uh i believe it'll just like lock up the game entirely so yeah pretty much they, they did as a safety measure but let's talk about the game itself i mean this is easily one of the most popular grand theft auto games of all time it sold millions of copies over 27.5 million copies worldwide as of 2011 so it probably sold even more than that with its digital releases and uh it's just nuts like how wide open the world is and how gritty it is and everything and the voice talent they got for the game samuel L. jackson's in this yeah <laughs> you know nice. and he's the meanest motherfucking cop that's how he'd say it the meanest <laughs> motherfucking cop out there but um yeah it's got a great cast and everything and i believe this is one of those games where you could actually change your character's um shape because you yes. can overeat yeah, <laughs> and you could be big and fat, <laughs> overweight. Um, you know, it's just kind of nutty how you could do that. Um, but yeah, just being able to do all sorts of stuff like base jumping off the top of a skyscraper and then not opening your parachute on purpose, yeah. <laughs> something like that. And it was just really a lot of fun. Um, I don't, I believe they re-released it for PS4 as part of the PS2 to PS PS4 program. Yeah, I so you could so. play it that way. Uh, it's not playable yet in Xbox One, but I'm pretty sure at some point Rockstar will release it for Xbox One as part of the uh, Xbox Backward Compatibility Program or something. It'd be great to see because, you know, a lot of people still love this game, even with Grand Theft Auto V, with millions and millions of players and Red Dead 2 still coming out. This is a game that still gets a lot of attention. You know what surprised me, though? They released it for mobile devices. Like yeah. iOS, <laughs> Android, and it's actually a pretty solid port. It runs I well, mean, surprisingly. Yeah. yeah, you know, with high-depth visuals and everything, it only takes up like 1.8 gig on your phone or whatever. I mean, that's a lot if you have like a 32 gig phone. But I mean, it's it's huge and it doesn't take up that much space. So, you know, it, it's a perfect game to take on the go. 
you know, when you're not distracted, like walking or driving, please don't play it while you're walking right. or driving. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, Rockstar has just did a lot of great ports with this game. And like I said, one day, you know, the Xbox One will get a turn or who knows, maybe we'll see a new HD version down the road. But I'd love to see it again because there was a lot of ground to cover in this game and it was just nothing short of fun. I mean, gritty, sure, but fun. I mean, yeah. that's the point. And it, honestly, it was like kind of like the most like a uh, bonkers version of Grand Theft Auto in a lot of ways. Because as you mentioned there, like you know, being able to do like base jumping and all that, but even having like jetpacks and things like that in the game, uh, which is like really nuts. And uh, as you mentioned there too, like of how big this game was, like you, you had to keep in mind that you know this was before Grand Theft Auto Five, this was before Red Dead Redemption, all that with how big those games are. But with San Andreas, it was huge because of the fact it was made up of like three, it was basically made up of like three cities in this, in the case. Um, like because I, I, I know there was uh, there was basically like a Los Angeles area, a San Francisco area, as well as a Las Vegas area. Um, I forget their like I forget their like uh, equivalent names in the Grand Theft Auto universe, but it is uh, it, it was really cool to kind of see like how big uh, that you know that this game was and like all the different stuff that you could do, and also also like, the modding community like certainly like you know went to town with this game and added so many different things that kind of kept the longevity of this game going, just like how they did for Grand Theft Auto Four, and just like how they're still doing now with Grand Theft Auto Five, especially with the online play for that game particularly. Uh, but yeah, it'd be cool to see San Andreas come back in some way, like if they were to you know do some sort of like remaster and maybe even add on that um, you know, online play for that too. I think that'd be really interesting to kind of have for San Andreas. Oh, totally. Uh, and like I said, I'd love to see it come back in some way, shape, or form. So we'll see what happens. Indeed, indeed. And that's going to lead us now into Obscura. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I thought we were going to talk about Kid Dracula. Oh, we did talk about Kid Dracula. Your yes. notes your notes didn't say anything about San Andreas, so I was all thrown off with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's talk about San Andreas. But no, um, since it's a PS2 episode, I wanted to talk about a really obscure PS2 game that I really enjoyed the hell out of. Um, before they made the Transformers games, uh, High Moon Studios worked on this game called Dark Watch, Curse of the West. This was a 2005 first-person shooter uh, made for the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox, uh, published by Capcom in the United States. It mixes Western horror and steampunk genres telling the story of Jericho Cross, an outlaw gunfighter in the late 19th century American frontier who has been turned into a vampire and then forcibly recruited by the titular monster hunting secret organization to fight against supernatural forces. Uh, it is a first-person shooter with gameplay that's very similar to Halo Combat Evolved in terms of hunting down enemies and getting through levels. And God, I love this when it came out because it was so original. It was just so much fun to play, but it kind of faded off, you know? It it had decent uh, competitive multiplayer on Xbox, and it had you know a great single-player campaign where you went through a number of different twists and turns and everything. But it, it didn't really get much hype from Capcom, and it was a little surprised by it because it was original at the time. There, there was nothing that could beat its originality, and its gameplay was a lot of fun. In fact, I, I like to think that uh, you know High Moon Studios could have made a franchise out of it, like Bungie made a franchise out of Halo, but it just didn't happen, and this became one of those forgotten favorites in the PS2. Uh, I really enjoy it, and I'm trying to track down a copy again, but uh, David, have you have you played this at all, Dark Watch? I've never played it. I, I honestly, like, you know what? I think I played the demo for this now that I think about it. Like As I'm looking through it and just kind of reminding myself with screenshots and whatnot, uh, it's it's definitely coming to mind as far as playing in some fashion, or at least something that looked like it. I might be getting it mixed up with Shadow Man or something, possibly. Um, but with with Dark Watch, it, it is a cool looking franchise. Like you know, certainly you know, certainly um, or like a cool looking game, I should say. Um, you know, like just just with like the protagonist and kind of kind of looks very um, like for anyone who knows Vampire Hunter D, kind of looks like D in the in okay. that uh, in those movies. So um, like he kind of looks like that, but it's a first person shooter, and um, yeah, it looks neat. Like I wouldn't mind seeing like a return of this franchise in some way at least uh 
don't know, kind of like make use of that uh, of that vibe and everything. Because it, it's honestly like looking at this right now, it's giving me um, some Legacy of Cain vibes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just with the, with yeah. the world is like dark and goth and everything like that. It, yeah. It's cool. I like that. So yeah, I mean that that's my pick for the week. Uh, I really think Dark Watch is worth its weight in gold. So if you if you have an Xbox or a PS2, definitely have this to your collection. I think it's only like a few bucks, so it probably won't set you about that back that badly. I do remember one thing though. Capcom did send me a copy of the game to review a while back and they also gave me a bottle opener that looks like a shotgun, but <laughs> it, the trigger actually uses, you know, to open the bottles. I still have it. And I, I love it. You know, it's really cool. So yeah, that's my little uh, my little two cents to the story. But Dark Watch, definitely check it out. Cool, awesome, awesome. So uh, that's going to lead us now into our main topic here, which is celebrating the 18th anniversary of the PS2, the PlayStation 2, I should say. Uh, so yeah, like we I think we talked about the PlayStation 2. Let me see. I think like two years ago, actually, like when we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's see. I think we had the hashtagonist on, maybe like when we when we yeah. talked about it. Um, but yeah, like with with like with like the PS2, um, there's like a there's like a, a console I remember I picked up uh, later in its life cycle, and like I actually mainly picked it up so as to play DDR. Actually, <laughs> so that, that's like a lot of like the reason why I initially picked it up. Uh, but also you know also like being able to play like a, you know like a bunch of like other like really cool games and like one game I have to mention right off the bat because uh, I remember there's like one of the first games aside from DDR that I picked up for it uh, was Re- was Resident Evil 4 uh, mm-hmm. which a lot of people consider and like I would certainly consider this to be the best Resident Evil in the whole franchise uh, it is a lot of fun it's certainly very cheesy and very corny uh, but the um, the uh, like gameplay of it uh, certainly was you know kind of brought it up a notch for sure. Like it, it kind of went away from the um, what was it the uh, just like kind of like the tank controls basically from uh, yeah. from like pre- previous like Resident Evil games and like also being able to play as Leon Kennedy and Leon Kennedy is just awesome in general. So mm-hmm. um, and also the fact that like it didn't have you again in a mansion full of zombies and all that. So it's uh, it was really neat to kind of see that um, you know kind of see that in play. So um, yeah. You know, um, when my first experience with PS2, I uh, picked it up at launch, um, was SSX. Uh, this was mm. uh, EA Sports Big's uh, big snowboarding game that had come I out. I forgot uh, about SSX. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> so good. I mean, you know, like SSX Tricky made it better, and SSX3 was amazing. But, you know, for, for a starting title, SSX was really good. It introduced you, like, fun little gameplay tactics that we haven't seen in an arcade game in a while. And, you know, it, the graphics were really good and pretty. And the, the cast was really diverse. I remember, like, they, they brought in uh, David Arquette and yes. Lucy Liu to yeah. voice some of the characters. I guess she was just getting off her Charlie's Angels stint at the time. But, you know, it's <laughs> it, it was it was a fun game. You know, you, Eddie with his big poofy hair. It was just <laughs> and pulling off these great tricks and everything. And the announcer saying, like, show off how stylish you are. <laughs> well, he did the worm. I remember he, he did the worm, like, on oh, yeah. his uh, snowboard when he go jumping off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, SSX was one of the better first experiences. And if I recall, like, the PlayStation 2 had a pretty – loaded launch lineup you know like not as loaded as say like the Sega Dreamcast most of those games are kind of filling everything but there were some really interesting games that had, that had come out at the time like I remember this uh, game called Silphied uh, which was kind of a sequel to the Sega CD game that had come out at the time uh, a while back and it was a fun little game the, the graphics were really good and everything the soundtrack was amazing and it was just a lot of fun and then uh, there was also Gun Griffin uh, which was sort of like a, a mech shooting game with a whole lot of action going on. And then also like Street Fighter EX3. We haven't oh, seen yeah. the EX series in ages, <laughs> but you know, this was a fun 3D brawler and everything like that. And Ridge Racer 5. Ooh, mm. That yeah, really it was a really good game. Yeah. That showed off like revolutionary graphics. And then finally, um, Tekken Tad Tournament, uh, because it had the bowling game. <laughs> 
Yes, Tekken Bowling was great. Yeah, yeah Tekken Bowling was a lot of fun. We, we haven't seen it for years until Tekken 7 reintroduced it. But, it, God, Tekken Bowling was so much fun back in the day. Uh, I had such a blast with it. But, yeah, th- those are the games I remember from launch. Obviously, there are ones that developed into my favorites over the course of the system. But it had, like, about 20-something launch games. Uh, most of them are kind of forgettable, but there were a few gems in there. You know, it, it really set a good impression of everything. And, of course, um, they had to have Madden because, you know, mm. like – Ever since like NFL 2K came out for the Dreamcast, they're like, oh, we need an you know like a next gen football game on PlayStation 2, and there's Madden. You know, it, it was it was good. <laughs> it wasn't great, but you know, some people really enjoyed it. So, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, also like a bunch of like other games too. I think I mentioned uh, I had to mention as well as uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, uh, certainly a big one. That's my personal favorite Metal Gear game of all time. Like I absolutely love that game. Uh, really, really cool, especially with that uh, that theme song and everything. Yeah. Uh, I, actually, I got like a uh, like an email just recently. I don't know if you got the same email on. Um, uh, there's going to be a Metal Gear uh, Symphony that's going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that email. Um, it's going to have a couple of stops, I believe. There's one in Los Angeles, one in New York. Yeah, and it's going to have like the original singer who does like all those like Metal Gear songs, including Snake Eater, going to be there and everything. Snake Eater, yeah, <laughs> not nearly as good as her, but yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and um, along with that too, uh, I have to mention Beautiful Joe as well. Um, Beautiful Joe is just a really, really cool, really fun game. Uh, I was I actually just fell in love with the mechanics of that game, just like the overall style of that game was really neat. Uh, the fact that you're just like this Joe Schmo kind of gets sucked into like a movie world basically and turns into like a superhero is just amazing to me. I, I, I'm always kind of like a sucker for that whole, you know, like kid gets sucked into like, you know, whatever, like video game, movie, whatever kind of world, whatever kind of story. I'm just always kind of like a sucker for that ever since like the Captain N like, uh, you know, show and all that. So um, aside from that too, I have to mention God of War 2. Uh, so obviously there was God of War 1, but God of War 2 kind of like really amped up that series, I feel like, especially with just the overall size and scope that like would be like paramount to that series like release will would be like the thing that like a lot of people kind of like remember of, of those games outside of the sex scenes of course um but uh just, just like you know the massive size and scope of like the bosses like whenever you're like um i think i think god of war 2 is the one like where you are going down a path and you see like the giant like stone horses or whatever and eventually you come back around and like make those stone stone horses like come to life and basically bring you to like another part of the game um, that was just amazing looking. It was so, so cool. Um, also, Shadow of the Colossus as well. I have to mention Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, just a like, you know, really awesome game. It recently came, you know, came out again for PS4. Yeah. And, I um, mean, if we're going to talk amazing visuals, we have to bring up Shadow of the Colossus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, just really, really cool. Uh, you know, certainly. Um, and this is actually one of those like few games, too, that I've seen in a movie that's not like, you know, a video game movie or anything, but like. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, um, this game was actually featured in the movie Rain Over Me, uh, the uh, the Adam Sandler movie, and also Don Cheadle is in it too. Mm. Um, and it, the game, the the game almost had like a life of its own in a sense because like it, it was like basically Adam Sandler's. Uh, Adam Sandler's character's uh, way of kind of like escaping from like the world because like he like lost his family or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. During that, during nine eleven, I believe it was. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I mean, like it, it was really cool to kind of see that be. Kind of like his escape, more or less. It's like, oh, like he was like showing Don Cheadle how to kill like some of the bosses and all that in the game too. It was, it was actually kind of surreal to kind of see 
that aspect of the game uh, in there. So yeah. yeah. You know, and, and there are a number of other titles that, like, Sony really brought to the table with the PlayStation 2. Like, uh, it was the birthplace of the Sly Cooper series. I, yeah. I thought Sucker Punch's Sly Cooper series was amazing. A perfect mix of, like, a little bit of stealth, a lot of action, uh, some great gameplay tactics in there. Um, all three games were great. I still love the original the best, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Uh, mm. It was so much fun. Uh, and, you know, we got remastered versions of PS3, but I'd love to see some, like, really well done PS4, like, built from the ground up like shadow of the colossus i'd love to see that one of these days um and also ratchet and clank um insomniac games you know uh, coming out of left field uh, after spyro the dragon and creating this wondrous sci-fi universe around around this lombax and his robot buddy you know the, all those games were a lot of fun but i think um i think the original again resonated with me the best and then of course you had the jack and daxter series from uh, naughty dog uh, I'm mm -hmm. sure you remember those games. The original was really the best, again, because <laughs> the sequel was pretty good. But, you know, I, it, it was really well established and everything and set the, set the standard for the Uncharted series that would to come uh, with PlayStation 3. But, you know, also sequels. Um, Twisted Metal Black. I was oh, yeah. amazed at how great it is. I mean, it was dark, dark and bloody and like it was psychotic <laughs> and everything. And good Lord, but it was really well done. And, and the combat is terrific. And that same team, Incog, also made this great uh, monster game called War of the Monsters. Um, this is like sort of like a beat em up. It's like King of the Monsters in 3D with all these weird, freaky creatures. You know, it's, I remember this. Yeah. yeah, I got it on PS4. It's so good, and it's still a lot of fun to to this very day and everything like that. So it, I thought that was a lot of fun. But you know, we also saw there for San franchises. You know, Grand Theft Auto really took off with Grand Theft Auto 3 and uh, San Andreas and Vice City and all that. Vice City was a big one. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, in the Metal Gear Solid series, obviously, uh, Rockstar Games. You know, not only that. They did Bully, uh, which was a really great game. And, and if I recall, th this was the shitty reason that Jack Thompson went after video game violence. Yeah, which is surreal to me. Like, why, why go after Bully? Like, of all things. You could dissect a frog, take it off shelves. No. <laughs> no, 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 shut up. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, laughed out of court and everything like that. And it, apparently, it's still a joke today, whatever. Um, <laughs> and the Time Splitter series, let's talk about this for a minute. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, it was part of the team that worked on GoldenEye and everything um, over there, I believe. Uh, Free Radical Design is who it was. And, you know, the Time Splitters games really established this freaky, awesome little. Um, first-person shooter universe and they created this fun little time tripping story and everything and i think with future perfect they really got the groove down but the first two games are a lot of fun too and i think two was the one that introduced um split screen multiplayer if i recall correctly i have to yeah. look at the notes but it was a lot of fun so yeah i, I wish i'd bring it back like the only time we saw time splitters this generation was like a hidden hidden midi game in Homefront: the revolution that's it. Mm. We didn't get a new yeah. Time Splitters game yet. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it, it was a really cool, it was a spiritual successor, really, to you know, to Goldeneye and to Perfect Dark in that sense. And um, yeah, it was, it was really cool to see that. And um, yeah, it would be it would be neat to kind of see that style of shooter kind of come back in some way, like maybe a little cartoony, also in a sense. Because I, I think Time Splitters, it wasn't like overly serious, but it had no. like just kind of like a bit of like a rare like charm to it. You know? Oh no, it, it definitely wasn't like Call of Duty. It was way out there in terms of imagination and weapons and, and silliness. You know. It, yeah. Something we don't really see in shooters that much these days. Maybe maybe an immortal redneck or something. But, you know, it's just these days the shooters take themselves extremely seriously. But, um, you know, we also saw innovations with certain games and design. Um, one of my all-time favorites is Klonoa 2 Lunate's Veil. Um, this was a sequel to uh, the Door to Phantom Isle game that came out years ago for PlayStation. Beautiful 
uh, 2.5D platformer. Like the worlds were so elegantly put together. The music was memorable. The gameplay was exciting and fun. Um, it is one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, I do love it, and I've been begging Bandai Namco to do a re-release of it somewhere down. Because <laughs> I love. I don't know if you've ever played Clone. You, you've probably seen it, but you probably haven't played it, have you? I played a little bit of it. I definitely have not played nearly as much as you have, for sure. Um, but uh, it, it, it's, it's a really neat game. And, like, I, I know I know that's, like, one particular franchise that you are, like, just dying to kind of see come back in some way. And, like, it's definitely a very imaginative kind of, uh, kind of franchise. So it would be, be neat to kind of see that come back. Um, one franchise I would not mind seeing coming back, just kind of, like, go back to Rockstar in this case, is uh, sure. Manhunt. Yeah. Actually. Um, speaking of uh, Dark and Demented, as you mentioned there with, uh, with, with, with Twisted Metal, I think Manhunt is probably, like, the most Dark and Demented yeah. game out there. Oh, yeah. Um, possibly, yeah, like, it's hard to say, like, whether it's more Dark and Demented than Postal, than the Postal games, um, but I probably would give it to Manhunt in this case. <laughs> it is it is an insane game, and this is a game that Jack Thompson probably would have every right to kind of go after in some case. Um, because of the fact that you can like you know have uh, have all sorts of you know d- r- you know really out there demented like uh, kills like styles of kills uh, especially if you get like a uh, like a plastic bag and just like wrap the guy's head around and you know suffocate him and start punching him as he's suffocating is crazy stuff like that where like take a uh, was it like the garden sky basically just like mm-hmm. hold the guy from like behind just like rip his entrails open and everything it's it's pretty graphic for a PlayStation 2 game in that sense. It's oh. uh, it, it was pretty crazy. You know what was really um, twisted? There was a sequel that came out for Wii and it used motion controls. That's right. Yeah. Yes, it could actually mimic the motions and all that. It was, it was, that, that was crazy. <sighs> um, I was not much of a fan of the uh, second game, honestly, but the first game kind of hit that right note, I felt like, of just like dark, twisted, and uh, also being uh, you know being set in a reality show, too, which is uh, pretty neat. Uh, I like the whole concept of it. Um, and another game I have to mention, too, this is like another game that I played a whole lot of on on the PS2, actually, was SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. Nice. Um, this was a game that was a lot of fun. I just put so much time into it. This, this honestly, this is like the only like wrestling game I put a lot of time into uh, after the uh, the THQ Aki games, like the like No Mercy WrestleMania 2000 and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore SmackDown vs. Raw 2006, especially with the character creation in it. Um, you know, all, all the different like characters, kind of like you know that that would make it. I think it had a create a belt mode. I can't quite remember. Uh, but it had a lot of like custom, uh, like uh, a lot of different custom options that you can like kind of mess around with, and uh, it, was, it was just really neat and had like a good roster to it and everything. And yeah, I was I was, I was totally down for it. Yeah, I think if it wasn't for WWE All Stars, that would be my favorite wrestling game on PS2. Yeah, <laughs> because I did too, yeah. I did enjoy All Stars. Um, but going back like to uh, like different games that really appealed to us, um, there were some really creative titles from uh, Clover Studio for a while there. Uh, we got Beautiful Joe, uh, which mm. used nice little. Uh, um, backwards and forwards kind of rewind fast forwarding features as you beat up a bunch of enemies on a film set that was a lot of fun and of course i got to bring up okami uh, because you know it, it's getting a lot of attention these days it's coming to switch uh it's out for ps4 and xbox one but the original ps2 version you know that's kind of where we saw this beautiful uh majestic art style that we've never seen in games before and it was really innovative it was really fun to watch as much as it was to play uh i really enjoyed the hell out of it and then uh since we also mentioned shadow of the colossus we should also bring up eco uh which was this neat little game from team eco i mean yeah you didn't understand what the girl was saying and yeah she was kind of stubborn when you tried to take her with you in some places (laughs) she just did not like you i guess i don't know but um it was really great i I thought it was a fun little experience and really introduced us to what team eco is all about um do you play any of those 
Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I definitely played more Shadow of the Colossus than I did of uh, of, of Eco because that, that was the game that came out before before Shadow of the Colossus. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty neat, and um, you know, I, I think I played more Eco on the PS3 release, like yeah. the Shadow of the Colossus HD collection that came with Eco. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was, I was definitely more into Shadow of the Colossus uh, overall. But like, you know, it's definitely a you know beautiful game like in its own right, and uh, you know certainly one worth worth checking out for sure if you liked mm-hmm. uh, Shadow of the Colossus or uh, or like the Last Guardian at all too. Right. Um, so yeah, some like really cool games there. So uh, definitely Ooh. let us. Kn- yeah. I got one more memory. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this yeah, kind of came to mind. Um, I started my professional writing career in 2005 with AOL Game Daily and we had a ps2 in the office and one day they dropped up a copy of guitar hero uh mm, this new game from right red octane yeah 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 and i completely uh, forgot about guitar hero I yeah why. yeah i mean it got it started on the ps2 come on david yeah <laughs> um but i remember we played this in the office for like hours like we cracked up the box and everything like that and i played some and everything then people started coming by what's what's that what is that are you playing a guitar is that the guitar hero game i've heard of and now uh, next you know we're like taking turns and everything like that and this is it was kind of silly just how much we got into it and then i remember like a few months later we went to e3 and they had a gigantic guitar hero booth at um at, at e3 in the uh, kensha hall which is no longer around it my god it was flooded like half our team <laughs> spent our time down there It'd be like did you go to this konami appointment Oh, that was me. I've been here at Guitar Hero all day. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just, <laughs> it was that addictive. And like for the longest time, we got great sequels. You know, two, uh, three, Rocks the '80s. You know, we got Rock Band. Um, it, you know, the PS2 was really the era that Guitar Hero and Rock Band really took off and really yeah. got a lot of attention. I mean, obviously, it's died down since then, and now we just have Rock Band Four and Guitar Hero Live. But back in the day, you know, there was sheer excitement at being a, a guitar god. Oh, I'm going to be Eddie Van Halen. No, you're not going to be Eddie. Yeah. Van Halen. Just shut up. <laughs> I mean that's that's when like you know like when the whole uh, when like the whole music and rhythm genre kind of like uh, sparked back up or like rebirth I guess in a sense and um, yeah God because I, I remember like first seeing Guitar Hero that that was like the, that was the game that got me away from DDR like that's that's what kind of ended my DDR quote unquote career I guess you could call it um, did you get paid David it's not a career I, I, I def- <laughs> definitely didn't get paid but like it, it was it was definitely uh, it's definitely a lot of fun though and, and definitely yeah. like um yeah so much fun like I, I think I think the whole reason why I, I I decided to kind of pull the trigger to get Guitar Hero along with the plastic guitar and all that stuff was because of the fact that I had the uh, the Franz Ferdinand song take uh, t- uh was it take me, take out. me out yeah yeah well like you know like having that song on there like that you know like like with like Franz Ferdinand, like they're like one of my favorite like modern bands for sure, and like it's uh, it's just really cool to you know be able to play you know play songs that you just absolutely love to kind of you know be on there. So it had a great great soundtrack to it, and like they they kept that whole uh, that whole tradition of great soundtracks as like each uh, each sequel came, you know kind of came out. I think Guitar Hero Two is probably like my my favorite of all time. Like that was definitely the one that I played that you know the most of for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really really cool. And um, I do have to mention too, like that just came to mind, uh, Guilty Gear X Two. So this is obviously a game that we talked about in the previous episode during our tournament and all. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I absolutely loved X Two, and that that was on PS Two. So yeah, like um, you know, there's loads and loads and loads loads of memories of playing that game in college uh, with like, a whole bunch of buddies of mine who were also into Guilty Gear, and so we just had Guilty Gear tournaments all the time. It was just 
insane. It was either Guilty Gear or Halo. Like we we were kind of swimming in the, you know in either fighting games or, or shooting games pretty much back then. Yeah, you know I was more of a Capcom versus SNK two guy. And That's if, right. Yeah. yeah, that was a great game. And uh, I also give a shout out there to the Marvel versus Capcom two port because for the longest time that was heavily on demand, if I recall. Like it was fetching like eighty bucks on eBay at one point. Mm. Oh, People yeah. really wanted to go for a ride. They wanted to be taken for a ride. <laughs> um, but it, you know it was it was a really great fighting system at the time. You know compared to the original PlayStation, which ran 2D fighting games like shit. Um, you know, the PS2 handled those games like a pro. And then obviously we had the Tekken games. We had Virtual Fighter games. Um, Virtual Fighter 5 Evolution, I believe it was. Or 4. 4 Evolution. Um, mm. You know, we, we got a number of different great games on that system. God, you know. And it was so much better than the PS1 fighting run. So, yeah. It, it was a good system for uh, beating, beating people up. Especially Tekken. You, you can't oh, yeah. beat Tekken games. Those are just amazing. For sure, for sure. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, before we close with the main topic anyway, I was kind of curious on what you, Robert, what you think makes the PS2 stand out, like at least among the test of time as far as like being one of the all-time, if not the best console of all time, because there, there's a lot of people out there who consider the PS2 the best console ever. Mm, Dreamcast, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I'm, I'm with you there for sure. But, but you like, know, there, are, there are people who make that argument. So. You know, Sony put forward an effort this time. I really think they put an effort into a lot of their games. Like I said, Jack and Daxter, uh, Sly Cooper, Ratchet and Clank, Gran Turismo 4 was really good, I thought. Um, you know, a lot of their games really showed. I mean, there were some shitty games. NFL Game Day, 2001, go home. Just get, get leave. <laughs> you know, but there were there were a bunch of really good ones that, that a lot of people remember franchises from. And, and on top of that, it had one of the really coolest um, booting up screens around. And I know all about this oh, because yeah. back in 2001, I did customer service for, uh, for Sony for like a holiday season. Never again. But, you know, I was like, <laughs> I was stupid and young at the time. And uh, I remember we were like doing customer service and everything like that. And we were walked through, you know, the title screen and everything. I like got what happens if you get a disk read error? Because there were a few machines that had that. And, um, you know, we had to go through all that. So I like, you know, and when I was on phone calls and everything, I'd be, I'd be blazing through Smuggler's Run too, And nobody would notice any difference because I knew my shit inside <laughs> and out. I you completely know, forgot about that game. Yeah, no, super, yeah, I know. That was so much fun running from the cops um, in the game, in the game. And uh, my supervisor was like, you, you really shouldn't be playing the game. You should be focusing on the calls. I'm like, I am focusing on the calls. I could just do two things at once. And I actually demonstrated it to her. She's like, what are you on crack? What is this? <laughs> she was amazed by my skills. So, uh, you know, but the boot up screen, it was like, you know, it would go into this like little deep space thing with all the cubes and everything. And then you see this little flashing circle of light showing you these options if it didn't boot up the game. And uh, I know I, I thought there was something memorable about that boot up screen that I thought was really cool. I actually there's a theme on PS4 that you could buy that replicates that. Yes, I have it on one of my PS4. So, you know, it was, it was cool to have and everything and no disc read error. Thank God. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I kind of like the redesign of the system, too. It, it was very practical in its second build. The first one had that big bulky system with the slide out disc tray that occasionally would get stuck or whatever. And you had to jimmy it or whatever. But the, sec uh, yeah. the second one was this pop up little tiny system, probably the smallest system I've ever seen besides the PS1. It was it, it looked like a like a VCR cartridge. Or almost, you know, like like a VHS tape, rather. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I'm I don't know what a VCR. Is. <laughs> We're back to VHS again here. So. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it wasn't that big. 
you could set it up in a game display and everything like that. And it didn't take up much room at all. You know, it was so tiny and so thin and it would kind of get us accustomed to like Sony reintroducing the, you know, the PS3 slim or, you know, obviously the PS4 uh, slim now, obviously. So, you know, it, it was a great little thing that, that set a trend and everything. And it was popular for a few years. If you recall, the PS2 took quite a few years to drop off the, uh, the market there, David. Yes. You know, like the PS3 was driving at the time, but the PS2 was still incredibly popular. It, it took forever. I think, it, I think it had one of the longest lifespans of a system in history because people enjoyed the game so much. Yeah, and th- that's really what it kind of comes down to, at least for me anyway, as far as like, the lasting power with the PS2 is the games. Like the, the game lineup is one of, if not possibly, the best game lineup out of any console out there. I mean, like it certainly is kind of up there with the SNES in that regard, as far as like just like the massive amount of quality games that came out for that for that console. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we we went through like a whole bunch of them, and we were even like forgetting some too. Like I, I completely forgot about you know with like Guitar Hero, and almost forgot about Guilty Gear and everything. I spent so much time on those games, uh, but it just goes to show like the the amount of like just again just quality games and there was like no reason if you were a gamer in any regard to not have a ps2 at some point during its lifespan or even after its lifespan like if you were to pick one up now you have an incredible lineup of games ahead oh, yeah. of you to play you know so like there, there's, there's stuff a you may never heard of you know like there, there are a yeah. ton of obscure games out there we talked about dark watch and a few weeks ago we talked about tulip the kissing game if you if that's your <laughs> that's your forte and then like stuff like odin sphere you know yes. a lot of really good uh, cult classics from that ps2 era and some of it's really rare you know like um th- there was this one game that liana swears up and down about um i forgot the name but like ruby red or something like that it's one of those cult classics that you can't get enough of. Um, Rule of Rose. Rule of Rose was the, a survival horror game that was developed and, and released by, I believe, um, yeah, Sony Computer Entertainment. It was just so dark uh, and, and, you know, like all sorts of stuff. I mean, it was all based on melee combat and everything and how these spooky situations. Like, you know, the Silent Hill games are great, but this one's really one of those um, classics that once you play it, it kind of sticks with you. And like I said, Leon really loves it. So, you know, it's like it was just kind of twisted that, you know, a game like that would become such a classic remembered all these years later. Um, it, it was it's a market in which re- whatever you want really appeals to you. Fighting games are covered. Survival yes. horror games are covered. RPGs, you know, there are a ton of Final Fantasy games. There's Grandia 2, stuff like that. The Hack That's 2 right. games. Um, so there is so much in there, you know, um, and like I said, there's so many titles we didn't cover here, but we don't have like a 16 hour podcast no, or, no. or six or seven or whatever, but, you know? um, but, but, but like a couple of deep cuts I do have to quickly mention, uh, cause like, again, these are games I just played a lot of, um, you know, just remembering from my own library anyway, was our type final mm. and also Contra shattered soldier. Now, oh, yes. people, people, like I know people are kind of like on the edge is like a uh, shattered soldier good or not kind of thing. I mean, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't consider it maybe like you know one of the best contra games, but like it's it's still a contra game that still is a lot of fun. I feel like oh and yeah, it's, it's certainly one I I took a lot of joy from for sure. And and, and our tie final like just was just full of options, like so many different options for like ships and like all the different weapons and uh, just really cool visuals as well. Like the boss fights that were, were in it were, were like really awesome. Um, yeah, got like yeah, like as you said, like we, we could be here like all night just kind of like yeah. listing off all the amazing games. Well, now that you mentioned our tie final, I got to bring up Gradius Five because. Oh, there you that go. Yeah, one of the rarest feats. Like, like Konami called upon Treasure to develop Gradius Five for them. Treasure is made up of former Konami employees. Yes, <laughs> mind blown. But that's yeah. one of the best. And of course, obviously, shout out to the Maximo games as well because mm. the Maximo games are fun. But like I said, we're gonna be here all night. 
for sure, for but sure. So much to play. So if you have not experienced the PS2 era, you have missed out on so much, but you can still catch up. There are some games that are expensive, obviously, but, you know, they're all, I mean, there are a lot of games that are worth it. Obviously, some suck, but there are a lot that are certainly worth it. Go back, rediscover PS2 for yourself. You won't run into any loot boxes or anything like that. You'll be fine. Right. Um, <laughs> enjoy the classic era of PS2. Um, you know, you are not ready. I say you are ready. Right, it's like it's, it's like our, um, our like our friend Tony Polanco would say, "It's the game, son. It's the games." It's the game, it's the game son. Now, you know, excuse me, Robert's gonna knock me down some stairs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast, I didn't mean it, but it was so much fun. Um, but yeah, definitely go PS2. Uh, a lot of good stuff on it. Um, man, indeed, and happy happy 18th anniversary too to it as well. Uh, absolutely, and uh, with that, I have a code to give away here. Indeed, I have a code to give away for Hakuoki Ito Blossoms. Uh, this remastered telling of the beloved visual novel Hakuoki series is a continuation of the Hakuoki Kyoto Winds story. Wow, he said all that right. And focuses, <laughs> focuses on the story set in Edo, the second part in this two-part series. The young Chizuru, determined to find her father, will romance the famous warriors of Shinsengumi through a series of engaging stories and dramatic events. Now, experience new characters, love interests, and episodes in the world of Hakuoki Edo Blossoms. Um, here's the code for Steam. It is C33JP 94WTP E5GIX. And that is for Hakuoki Ito Blossoms. Enjoy. Um, now, as you might guess, we don't have a guest in the show, so we're not doing random select because that'll be boring. Uh, instead, uh, I went to a Far Cry 5 event there, David. Uh, I went oh, to yeah. one. In- a couple of weeks ago and the embargo is up now so i actually have a couple of interviews for you i was able to talk to the producer and i also got in the head of a cult expert because the, the game has you going to montana battling a cult leader head on and his his followers so it's definitely like a lot darker than the usual um far cry games um but yeah i got those interviews for you so take it away all right, guys, here we are in the middle of nowhere at the Far Cry 5 event in uh, Livermore, uh, California, I believe it is. And I'm sitting here with... Uh, Dan Hay. I'm the executive producer on Far Cry and the creative director on Far Cry 5. And we've talked before. For sure. And I'm also here with... Rick Allen Ross, technical consultant, cult expert. Okay. So let's just get right down into it. From what I've played so far, the game is very, very intense. Obviously, what you wanted to go for uh, in terms of getting everything within the game is just this mood of dread in everything that that the seeds are trying to do here and everything like that i want to know like what was the first step that you guys took in terms of getting the tone of the story down i think uh, you know we understand that it's um we have two things that that we really want to be able to make players be able to experience right and that first is that it's a game and we want them to be able to have a bombastic time if they want to be able to pick the weapons they want and go in any direction and have an amazing time but at the same time we want to create these these gravitic characters, these characters that have real, real uh, agendas and real agency from the standpoint of saying, okay, look, this is a character, especially with the father, who absolutely believes that the end of times is coming, and there's gravity to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to make sure that this character, we have a pedigree of making characters like Boss and making characters like Pig and Min, and we want to be able to say, how do we make this one different? How do we make it so that you kind of fall into this person? And they absolutely believe that they're not a bad person. They absolutely believe that they're they're a seller. They're the, they're the type of person who's going to save the world or at the very least save you, whether you want to or not. So making sure that the game had, right from the get-go, right from jump, that you, you felt the, the, the weight of that. You met the father. You were the one, basically, putting the, 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 the handcuffs on the father, walking them out. Mm-hmm. You felt the full weight of that. So that the introduction of the world made the content feel real. And then you had the ability to go out in the open 
world and just be as crazy as you want to be. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, in regards to... Uh, you've probably seen figures like this in real life, and it must be harrowing just to see how they get these people to, to, con- to convince them to follow them like that. Well, I think what Dan said is what they were, were able to do in Far Cry 5 is convey to the people who play the game just how intense a leader can be and how magnetic and convey also the why why would people follow such a person uh, so when you get inside this world you see the interaction between father uh, Joseph Seed his his brother Jacob his sister Faith his followers and you you really can experience the intensity of what it would be like to be within that milieu of a cult compound which I think is a fascinating thing in the game is that people can experience something that I've experienced, mm-hmm. but that most people will ask me, well, what's that like? And now there is a game, Far Cry 5, where people can actually experience what I have lived mm-hmm. in, my, in my career and my work. And even then, it's just surreal seeing all the effects. Like, these people are willing to kill, they're willing to die, they're willing to do anything. That's how deep he's gotten inside their heads. Well, what you see in Far Cry 5 is the total devotion to an absolute authoritarian leader, which is the hallmark of a destructive cult. Whatever Joseph Seed says is right is right. Whatever he says is wrong is wrong. And the ends justify the means. And they believe, they truly believe that he is going to save the world and that he is uh, an absolute leader with the answers to everything. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, the research going to this, I mean, I've, I've heard stories, I won't repeat them here, but I've heard stories of like how deep you guys really wanted to go in terms of getting the tone, but while at the same time still having the fundamentals of yeah. the Far Cry gameplay. Yeah, you know, you got to do your research, you got to talk to cult experts, you got to yeah. be able to go to go to the place, you got to drink the water, you got to talk to people. And I think it's, 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 people get asked, you know, how big is this Far Cry? It's big, it's very big. Oh, yeah. But it's deep from the standpoint of, if you just want to play the game and you want to go out there and, and blow stuff up, you can. But if you really are interested in the micro stories and the moments and the emotion that you can experience, you're going to be able to get that too. From the standpoint of something as simple as just walking up to somebody and talking to them. You know, now we have the opportunity to have you go and talk to somebody and walk away in the middle of their conversation. And they get legitimately pissed off at you and say, hey, listen, you know, are you back? Really? Can we continue? And that, the little, the devils in the details and the nuance of character interactions and making sure that the game is organic and it responds to how you play. As devs, it's a little terrifying because we never know what you're gonna what you're gonna do. Where you're right. gonna be. You could show up to a story moment and have a bear with you. You could have two guns for hire. You could be playing a co-op, and the game has to organically allow you to choose your own adventure. Yeah, see, it's just been a, a truly, especially with today's times. I mean, something like this, it almost seems like anybody can just like develop a cult and all of a sudden they have this huge following just because with everything that's happening but it's it just really amazing like how everybody came together and to get this experience it almost seems like this is sort of a timely game in that regard it's definitely weird right i mean like it, the world has changed so much since we kind of came up with the idea and, and you know i get asked sometimes you know did you have a crystal ball how did you know the answer is no we three years ago i pitched the game and it was like oh that would never happen there's no there'd be no cult nah, I would, Two years ago, people were like, "Okay, I'll give you it might happen." Yeah. You know, a year ago, it was like, "Okay, I can totally see it happening." And it's, now it's, it's like it's it's just uh, from the standpoint of, of of building somebody who believes that they're a prophet of doom and 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 that they are going to absolutely save you. 
and watching the world outside kind of change, I think maybe we just tapped into something. And I've said this before, but you know, as a kid, I really remember being scared of the end of the world based off of the end of the, the Cold War. Mm -hmm. And feeling the pressure of the Soviet Union and America locked in this titanic struggle, and it scared the hell out of me as a kid. And then, you know, you get older and you kind of forget that. And you forget that we were on the edge of something, but we managed to pull back. And three years ago, I just had that feeling like it was kind of, we were heading in that direction again, like humanity was going to come close. And we, we took all that angst, all that concern, and we put it into the Father and basically said, what if somebody believed this is the end of times? And what if, you know, what if? What yeah. if they really thought they were right? How would you manage that? And so that's what we built. And that's what I'm looking forward to digging into with the full release. Um, thank you guys so much for your effort and everything and uh, taking time to show us out here and everything. And uh, we look forward to the game. Thank you so much. Awesome. Take time to Alright guys, we are here in the middle of nowhere at the Far Cry 5 event in uh, in Livermore, California. I'm sitting here with... Daryl Long, producer of Far Cry 5. Okay. Now obviously in previous Far Cry games we've gotten used to like, you know, tropical locales and everything like that. And like, yeah, obviously Paradise Lost and everything like that. But this one, this one takes a far more realistic approach. Digging into Montana and, and this dangerous cult. I mean, how did you guys go about with this approach for, you, for this new game? Well, the idea was to create experience for the players where they get to decide how to play the game. So, I mean, Montana was a great choice because it's a beautiful place, it's wide open, uh, but it's also very relatable to our gamers. You know, when you go there, it feels a little close to home, which mm -hmm. makes it very personal. And then we did away with the radio towers. Mm -hmm. It was a big change. On previous Far Cry games, 3 and 4, you're climbing radio towers, it shows a bunch of icons on your map, and the, you know, you can see the structure of the game. In this game, you go into the world, and you don't have a set objective other than take down the cult. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you as a player to explore the space and get information from the people that live there. So we call this our intel system. You go to a civilian, and maybe they've seen something, or they've heard something, or they've, they've even escaped from the cult. Mm -hmm. And they can tell you information that will lead you towards activities that will help you fight back against the cult and raise your resistance. And there are different ways you can go about it, too. There are different people that you can have for guns or hire. You can have different people. I still haven't found Boomer yet. Or, I mean, free Cheeseburger yet. I mean, a, bur a bear named Cheeseburger, for crying out loud. But uh, how did you guys go about, like, developing the side characters and, and, and finding the best people that would be great for each mission? We wanted to fill the world with different personalities so that the game doesn't come across as just you know, one flavor. So you're going to meet people in the game that are very earnest, you know, salt of the earth, really serious. Maybe they've been fighting against the cult for a long time because the cult's been there in the region, you know, long before the game begins. But there's all the way to the other end. You know, with over 60 characters in the game, we want to make sure you can see it all. So when you go to Herc and you find Herc and he's just ridiculous, he's hilarious. Mm -hmm. There's times where when he's your guns for hire, you'll just put down the controller and listen because it's stand-up comedy. <laughs> well, he's always been a favorite, so, you know, why not? Um, now, it's kind of amazing, though. I mean, you, you've got this new location, new setup and everything like that. Yeah, all the Far Cry fundamentals are still there. It almost feels like it would be a natural fit for such a location. So um, how did you guys go about, like, making sure that the balance was there? Because, I mean, that's the thing. When you introduce a new idea, you want to make sure the Far Cry elements are still in play. Absolutely. I mean, the, the core elements of Far Cry, like, really good controls and you feel that the movement of the player is very organic and that's because
because immersion for us and allowing the player to express themselves as though it's them in the game has always been really important to us. But you're right, as we add new toys and new things, the, the dynamics are constantly changing. And co-op is a really good example of that. Mm -hmm. you know, this is the first Far Cry you can play start to finish in co-op. And as soon as you add another player in the open world or even in a mission, suddenly you realize everything changes. I mean, mm -hmm. your ability to combine the toys, such as helicopters, airplanes, C4, whatever you can find, even animals, combining all these things in different ways with a partner just makes the, it makes everything blossom. How deep did you guys research go to, to get that feel for, like, you know, backwoods, uh, cult like, just, like, location for the game? Well, we, we went to Montana, oh, and that was okay. one of the first things we did at the beginning of the game. You know, we had this, this seed of an idea of what we, the cult and what we want to create, and we went there, and we started meeting people, and that was really part of the inspiration of changing the system so that it's about meeting people in the world to, to understand the game, is adding personalities in the world that are believable and real right. makes the experience more real for you as a player. So we went to Montana, we, we've done multiple trips back there, you know, we, we've got artists who've gone there and actually scanned rocks and trees and different things and, and put those directly in the game. Uh, and also, we've done a ton of research about cults as well, you know, we've been talking to cult experts mm. and making sure we really understand and making this a truly believable experience. And then how surreal was it talking to like these cult leaders and getting like an understanding of just how, how extreme they get? It can be a, a bit scary, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize just how it is real, that there are cults in America, oh, yeah. and that these things really exist, and that families have been very badly affected by them, and I think shining a spotlight on that a bit is going to be a, a bit of an education for people. Yeah, especially now in this day and age, like when everybody is just like taking sides and everything, it's just really, almost seems like a timely game in that regard. But uh, let me end this on the light note. Whose idea was it to name the Bear Cheeseburger? We have an amazing <laughs> team of writers. And so they, they're looking at it like, all right, what would we do with a bear named Cheeseburger? You know, and, and the thing is, he's diabetic. The bear is diabetic. <laughs> so he can't eat cheeseburgers anymore. So you actually have to feed him fish. Oh. I was about to say, well, we can't call him fishy, now can we? <laughs> well, thanks for taking time to talk to me about it. We're looking forward to the game uh, March 27th, I believe it is. Thank you so much. And we're back. So uh, yeah, some really cool interviews there from the Far Cry event. I, I remember seeing like your your um, your like pictures from there actually, and you got to meet Boomer. <laughs> so I'm, I'm super yeah. jelly of that. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Yeah. So I mean, Far Cry Five uh, releases March 27th. So definitely check that out when you get a chance. Um, and yeah, um, Far Cry Five. That's going to be a lot of fun. But you know what else is going to be a lot of fun when it comes up, David, in April? Uh, PAX East. Yes. We are both going. We are both going to get tons of interviews, I'm sure. We're going to be talking to a lot of people, hanging out, having a good time. But, David, you and me actually have responsibility to the show because we have panels. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're going to be showing up PAX East not only as media people, but also as um, as, as exhibitors as well, I guess, in this sense. Because uh, we're, we're both going to be in panels. Uh, so I guess um, I'll, I'll kind of like start off here. Uh, like I'm going to be doing a panel called Educate Yourself, What Schools Need to Teach in Game Design. Uh, so I'm basically going to be like a, like a moderator for this, along with my buddy Danny Silvers, which we've had on the show. Like He's the, uh, he's the guy who started uh, Lantana Games, as well as uh, Boston Festival of Indie Games. Uh, there's also our, our good buddy Trevor Stricker, uh, who we've had 
had, you know, we've also had on the show actually. Like he he worked on like a number of Dreamcast games, most notably uh, probably like the NBA 2K series and like Panzer Dragoon and like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to be there as well as Monty Sharma, who is the founder and managing director for Massachusetts Digital Games Initiative. So uh, some really cool people there. So definitely check us out. Uh, that panel is going to be on April 6th. That's a Friday uh, at 12:30. So at the Cuttlefish Theater, that's where mm-hmm. it's going to be. Excellent name for a theater, Cuttlefish. Um, yes. <laughs> so yeah, you're going to be doing education on one end, and I'm going to be doing some uh, nostalgic stuff on mine. Um, on Sunday, April 8th, from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Bobcat Theater, I'm going to be doing a panel called Retrospective, the Golden Age of Retro Gaming. Uh, it will basically look back in the golden era of PC gaming, as well as the 90s in general, because I'm not much of a PC gamer myself. But mm-hmm. I know there are going to be some great stories there. I'm going to be on the panel, along with Pat Country, Pat the NES Punk, and a couple of staffers from 3D Realms, including Fred Fresh, who is, I believe, the vice president, and Scott Miller. And more than likely, they'll also be talking about Iron Maiden, their new uh, shooter that's fashioned with 90s Duke Nukem-style tech that's available now on Steam. And I believe, uh, I'm like trying to actually like remind myself now by looking back on uh, past Arcast episodes, but I believe we had an Arcast mini with Scott Miller uh, before... Um, I'm actually waiting for my page to load <laughs> to kind of see it on there. Um, but let me see here. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. We had Scott Miller as uh, so, so, so he was <laughs> like I completely forgot that. So, uh, so we, we, if if you want to uh, you know kind of get like I guess like a preface of what Scott Miller may talk about on Robert's panel, there definitely check out Arcast Mini Number Three, Unle- uh, Unleashing God Mode with Scott Miller is what it's called. So um, some really cool stuff there. So uh, yeah, so and, and definitely check us out at the uh, you know at our respective uh, panels and stuff and I'll, I'll definitely be there to to check out your panel there robert uh it looks like it'd be a lot of fun yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try to stop by yours as well i got a busy schedule but i'm definitely gonna try to stop by because i need some edumacation <laughs> exactly, i need exactly. to learn <laughs> and uh another thing we need to do is to give away an snes class yes i won that's... thank you everybody i appreciate <laughs> thank you so much david now i, 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 I want to thank all the little people <laughs> but uh yeah so Leah, we do have an snes classic here to give away so this is a um like you know give Giveaway that I've been having up on on social media for over a week now. Um, so in it's kind of like you know we've had like a number of people kind of like putting like their entries to kind of get in there. So thanks to everyone who has been uh, like retweeting and like putting down like the um, uh, like the like reviews on like iTunes and like everything else too. Like it's, it's been it's been really really cool. And so we wanted to celebrate hundred episodes of doing our cast by giving away an SNES classic. So this is definitely a big giveaway here. And so drum roll please. Uh, <laughs> It's almost, kind of, it's almost kind of like a chewy, like kind of coming in. There. I don't know. Okay, you didn't tell me to do a drum roll before the show, David. Nope, nope. But uh, <laughs> that, that, that's all the fun of it. But uh, yeah, so our winner here, the SNES Classic, is Stacy Neeld. So Stacy Neeld is uh, at Stacy underscore is me on Twitter. So uh, congratulations there, Stacy, and we will definitely be reaching out to you when this episode drops. So congratulations. stay tuned for that. And congratulations, exactly. So um, yeah, because I, I think I remember seeing Stacy uh, actually kind of posting um, on, uh, on 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 social media about and, like uh, I think she was doing it mainly for her boyfriend and everything. So like yeah. her, her boy her boyfriend would definitely be very very happy. Oh uh, yeah, get hey hey, sure. if I was her boyfriend, take her out to dinner because she just won you a Super <laughs> Nintendo Classic. Okay, for sure. take her out to dinner. <laughs> and uh, before we wrap up here, I want to mention one more thing. Our good friend uh ann schumann um she uh 
actually worked on a game called Arcade Spirits. Uh, this is basically like a love story, like a visual novel, romantic comedy tale that takes place in an arcade. Like, what would happen if you found love in an arcade? It's the fantasy story we all look for. Uh, anyway, she's got. Uh, she just announced today that the uh, demo is now available for Arcade Spirits, so you can actually go and check this game out for yourself. Uh, it takes approximately 20 to 30 minutes or 40 to 60 minutes if you want to stream and read aloud. You are allowed to stream it, and you can learn more about it at arcadespirits.com, and hopefully she'll be one of the people that we talked to at PAX East. Indeed, yes. So I guess, yeah, because we know that she's going to be there, and so we'll, we'll definitely try to uh, set up a time with her. Like, uh, def, def, definitely some cool stuff that they're doing there with Arcade Spirits. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, like, really, really cool game, honestly. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Arcast episode 101, pretty much in the books. Uh, I think we pretty much took care of, like, all the extracurricular stuff there. So, uh, yeah, so if you want to uh, find Arcast on Twitter, we are at Arg Podcast. Same thing for Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash Arg Podcast. And if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at The Guilty Man. Well, follow me on Twitter, it's at Twitter.com slash The DCD. You can also find my work at comicbook.com slash gaming. Indeed. And don't forget also that we are partnered with Don't Feed the Gamers, so definitely check them out at don'tfeedthegamers.com. They are there basically for all of your like fan-centric gaming news and coverage and reviews and all that fun stuff. Uh, and, and it's also run by uh, by our good friend Leona Ruppert, so definitely you know, so definitely check it out for her sake at least. <laughs> yeah. uh, so again, Please help out Leona. She deserves it. Indeed. indeed. She, she, she put like, a lot of work into like her new like uh, intro video and everything yeah, so i yeah. like that it looked like a bullet or something like that it was really cool <laughs> it's really neat really neat so yeah this, again that's don't feed the gamers.com uh and yeah so if you want to uh, send us like any like email any like feedback any like questions or retro games you want us to cover or anything at all really you can email us at rcast at retrozap.com and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts especially of the star wars variety there is Bruise and Blasters, Kanada's Castle, Skywalking Through Neverland, Starship Sabers and Scoundrels. There's also a Beltway Bontas, which is really, which is really cool because it combines both politics and Star Wars. So if you're a both minds, it's definitely the podcast for you. Again, it's Beltway Bontas. Uh, there's also the Animaniacs. So if you're a big Animaniacs fan, it's definitely the podcast for you. And it's also Rob Paulson approved. And there's also the Deucecast Movie Show. So as you can imagine, it's a movie podcast. And those guys have been doing it for over 300 episodes. They're on their way to 400 now. Uh, so definitely, uh, you know, so definitely give them a listen if you want your uh, your your movie fix right there and uh there's also the techno retro dads so if you love old school stuff and of course you do because you listen to the rcast love the techno retro dads because they cover stuff in the 70s 80s and 90s not only just video games but also toys commercials things like that and yeah there's also us with rcast so be sure to find us on itunes subscribe give us five stars and tell your neighbors we're also on stitcher and also google play music so there's absolutely no reason to not listen to the rcast and yeah again that's rcast episode 101 in the books until next time keep it retro and let's go play guitar hero yeah that's right that's right you gotta jam out now after all that so you know let's see if i can get through the fire and flames by dragon force oh, this is gonna mm. kill me again uh, i have to get you up on stage on pax in that case <laughs> oh yeah because a ps2 game will really attract everybody trying to play fortnite that's how it's yeah. gonna work sure. you never know the retro uh, fans out there <laughs> fingers crossed they still love the ps2 please <laughs> everyone this is rob and jay from the classic gaming podcast we uh play and talk about 
old school video games on our podcast. I know you probably couldn't have guessed that from the name of it, but uh, as for me, I tend to prefer the old, the good old point-and-click adventure game genre. I also like strategy games. I play a lot of a wide variety of stuff. Uh, uh, as for Jay? Yeah, I'm really partial to RPGs and RTSs, so things like Final Fantasy Tactics and Chrono Trigger to that of StarCraft or Age of Empires. Um, generally at the podcast, we try to stay on topic, but we usually end up going off on super, super far tangents. Give us a listen over at the HP Video Game Podcast Network. You can also find us at ClassicGamingPodcast.com, and uh, we hope you check us out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.